think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster Podcast. As is the case uh, pretty much every week, uh, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am joined again by Brian Joyner, uh, and we are uh, here to talk about some Red Sox baseball. They have been playing a little bit better of late. They Coming into this series against the Rays, they had won three straight series, and I get to say, I don't know about you, you have a little bit more experience than me, but I cannot remember a stretch of three straight winning series that felt so depressing because uh i don't really feel better about this team despite the wins the win-loss record being turned around a little bit well the the thing about being older is that yes i have seen more but i've forgotten almost all of it <laughs> um no i mean the the series wins were in no way um inspiring and that doesn't matter per se i mean they all count but, the same in the standings but it does once you go back up against the, the good teams and it stresses that maybe they there was something to be gleaned from the fact that you squeaked by um, some of the lesser teams in baseball. And, and I mean, to be fair, part, I, this is certainly not an original thought, but the big thing about baseball is just you got to beat the bad teams and then kind of hold serve against the good teams and uh the Red Sox beat the good, the bad teams, but they are struggling to hold serve against the good teams. 
uh, and that you're playing a good team right now. Um, we are speaking here Tuesday afternoon, as usual, before the game on Tuesday. So the last baseball we saw was Monday night uh, in Tampa. Red Sox just did not look good. Uh, Nick Pavetta was okay, but pitching wasn't great, and the offense was terrible, and they dropped the first game of that series. Um, and this series is, I mean, it feels like we've said it so many times over the last six weeks or so, but this feels like the biggest series of the season so far. Uh, Red Sox pretty much out of the division, but still holding still holding on to that second wild card, and they need to be able to at least stay steady against these good teams to hold that spot with Oakland coming up behind them. Um, as things stand right now before Tuesday's games, uh, Red Sox trail the Yankees by two games for the top wild card spot. Uh, Oakland trails the Red Sox by two for the second wild card spot, and then the Mariners and Blue Jays are behind Oakland. They trail Boston by four and a half games. Um, so pretty decent position, but also certainly far from over. Are you kind of zeroed in on that second spot, or do you think do you still think there's a reasonable chance they can move up, whether that be above the Yankees or, I mean, by some miracle, I guess it would take uh, ahead of the race for the division. Well, how many games do they have against Bishop Sycamore in September? <laughs> well, I don't think Bishop Sycamore is going. I don't think it existed before, but I think it's going to extra not exist uh, today. They just they just fired their coach, um, yes. which doesn't make sense because they. I mean, I don't know who fired him because the school isn't real, but that's a whole other story. Uh, no, I do not think that the division is in play. And yes, I, I think the other. While I mean, I, I don't care. I frankly, no, I don't care. Just. Hang on to what you've got. I, I'm not. I'm not confident at the moment in anything this team is doing when Chris Sale isn't pitching. Um, that might not be fair to Nate Uvalde, but uh, I honestly, it's, it's a, sorry, and, and not fair. Not time, fair to Bobby Dahlbeck either, who is doing way <laughs> more than I than I thought he would. Though I did predict he would win Rookie of the Year at the beginning of the season, despite everything nasty I've said about him this year. Um, I, I don't care. I, I mean, they just, they just need to win games. If, if they have the second wild card spot, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter to me. Um, they just need to turn it around or not even make the playoffs, which I mean, is honestly seems like a real possibility at this point. I think it's a real possibility. We'll, we'll get to it. In a second, um, I still I'm still not super super worried about it, um, but I do. I, I think I would. I mean, I definitely am not thinking they're gonna catch the Rays for the division. I mean, that's just that's just not gonna happen at this point. Um, I don't think they're gonna catch the Yankees either. I've I haven't really given up on that. It's only a two game margin, three games in the last column, but just the way those two teams are going. And I think the Yankees are frankly just a better team on paper. Um, I mean, they certainly were coming into the year and now they're starting to play like it. And they obviously got some reinforcements at the trade deadline. Uh, they just got Corey Kluber back. I mean, they, they just are a better baseball team. So I guess in that sense, you're right that it doesn't matter if they're the top spot or not. Although I would feel a lot better facing the Yankees at Fenway than, Yankee Stadium in a one-game series. But either way, I mean, I'm kind of personally just focused on who's behind them, and that's the Blue Jays are still a team that scares me, although they just 
refuse to play like a team like they're on paper they seem like they should be so much better than they actually are but they've never really been able to hit that next level uh oakland has been just about as bad as the red sox um of late maybe not quite as bad as the red sox were earlier in this month but they have uh, not been able to take advantage of the red sox slide and the mariners are the mariners they're never going to make the playoffs um so really it's just <laughs> oakland that <laughs> i just i'll believe the mariners are going to make the playoffs when i see it happen um so i mean i think like i said i think that i still feel pretty good about their chances just to make the playoffs and Fangraphs has those odds as we speak now um they've actually moved up a percentage point since a couple of hours ago when i was looking at this it's now 79 percent to make the playoffs um they project that a team will need 89 wins uh to have sole possession of the second wild card uh so before i get into what i think happens the rest of the way the red sox um we did we talked about this a little last week but you said you're you see missing the playoffs as a reasonable possibility. Do you think 79% is too high? I mean, probably, but not by, you know, I can't argue with, with the numbers. Um, it's just uh, the one thing I do, I mean, maybe it's a little bit too high, but it's, you know, it's math. What am I going to do? Argue with math. Sorry, math. You suck. Um, I was a math major. I argued with math for four years of my life. And how'd that, how'd that work out for you? Uh, not well. Um, I just want to take issue with one thing you said. I frankly think a one-game playoff in Yankee Stadium is the best outcome I can think of. Because if we lo- if they, we lose, they're supposed to. But if we beat them, it would be redeeming of the whole season no matter what else happens. Yeah, I mean, seeing sad Yankee fans in Yankee Stadium losing a one game playoff would certainly be the highlight of my last few years uh, certainly as a baseball fan so I mean that's fair but I think in terms of their chances to win and lose I think it would be better at Fenway just I know I, know, I actually kind of get tired when people complain about the dimensions at Yankee Stadium um, because both teams are using the same dimensions, um, but it also kind of just feels like the Red Sox never take advantage of that short porch, um, which is probably confirmation bias, but I just, I never feel good about having to face that Yankees lineup in Yankee Stadium. That's fair. I'd like to go to that game too, so that'd be good for me. Well, there you go. I probably wouldn't go to it either way, so we got that. Um, But yeah, so I went through the schedule just really quickly rest of the way to see kind of what a reasonable expectation for the Red Sox win total for the rest of the season would be. Um, just run through it very quickly, um, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about any of these series, although that never happens. Um, so the Red Sox have three left um, against the Rays. I think it's reasonable to expect them to win one of those. And then two out of three over Cleveland, uh, one of three against the Rays, one of three uh, against Chicago, uh, two of three in Seattle. That one I kind of had a little trouble with because the West Coast trip, West Coast trips are so weird. But still, the Red Sox should win two of three there. Uh, two of three from Baltimore. Uh, one of two from the Mets. Uh, one of three from the Yankees, and then two of three from the Orioles, and the same against the Nationals. Um, and all of that is to say that if they were to do that, they would win sixteen games the rest of the way, um, which would give them ninety-one wins which gets them over that 89 win mark and should put them in a pretty decent 
position. So that's where I'm coming from when I say I'm not not worried about uh, missing the playoffs. I mean, it's still a distinct possibility, but they would really have to um, they would really have to tank some winnable series, I think, for that to be a real question. That's fair. And I would even go so far as to say saying two out of three against Baltimore is hedging. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just never feel good about predicting a sweep. But yeah, I mean, they realistically, they should probably sweep at least one of those series. Yeah, I mean, it's Baltimore. So I would go with... And then the flip side is that the Rays could easily sweep them or the White Sox could sweep them. I mean, obviously, we don't know how any of this goes. No, I mean, that sounds sounds good. As I said, right now, you've you've given me a new thing to root for. One game playoff in Yankee Stadium. I don't care if we'd be be better in Fenway. Don't care. I mean, how much are those tickets, though? That's Um, the other question. I mean, I wouldn't have to go to the game. <laughs> well, I think you're going to get your wish. I mean, it just it seems like everything is setting up where that is just the most likely scenario. And I don't know who does the AL wildcard game. I think it's TBS, but I'm not sure. But whoever it is is going to uh, be throwing a raucous party uh, in their offices for a one-game playoff between the Yankees and Red Sox. Um, there's nothing Major League Baseball wants more than that. Doesn't Orsillo do games for one of the postseason um, he operations? He does, like, or he did at least. I don't know if he still does. And I, Eckersley does too, although I don't know if they would put him on a Red Sox broadcast because they'd get complacent with homerism. But um, I don't that's, that's, remember. That would be the best. In Yankee Stadium with Orsillo and Eckersley. Orsillo and Eckersley. <laughs> that would be, I mean, that would be everybody's dream. I think Nesson would probably be the most upset about that because everybody would just be like, hey, this could have been this could have been us all season long. Um, but I don't remember who gets, who does AL and who does NL. I think ESPN and TBS have the uh, wildcard games. I just don't remember who does who. And with our yeah. luck, I'm sure we'll probably get uh, Vaskirchen and A-Rod. Their horrible broadcast, but yeah, it is what it is. I'll take, I'll, I guess, I'll take the playoff berth, um, if if even if we have to deal with those announcers. Um, so I, this is probably a conversation left, better left for the end of the season, but I don't really have that much to talk about today, and it's something that I've been thinking about. It's something that I've seen people um, on Twitter talking about a lot. I've been trying to spend less time on Twitter, but um, hasn't always been successful. And I think people are absolutely losing their mind over Heim Bloom and just the season in general is just breaking everybody's brains. And I mean, there's a faction of people that are just unconsolably upset about what they did at the deadline and how things have gone since then. Um, and then there's people who have pointed to preseason expectations and saying this has been a great season. With a month left of the season, you can put you got to put your prediction hat on a little bit to see how this goes the rest of the year. But what like what word or you can use a few words if you want. But like, how do you think we're viewing this season when it's all said and done? Um, that is a good question, but because you're asking. How we like the royal we, but it sounds like like they're. I mean, it's not sounds like I've seen them on Twitter too. They're of like two halves to this. Um, there's the absolutely enraged half about the basically the more the deadline in action more or less, and then there's the and I don't say this pejoratively, totally, but it 
a little bit. The Bloom stands who are making it very clear that A, correctly, um, they're still doing better or at the top end of what we predicted them for at the beginning of this year. Um, and B, uh, believe in a, you know, a longer term build. So what do we think? Um, probably disappointing, but what do, I, I don't think there's a consensus. I think that there's a, a sharp, um, dividing line. Whereas I just sort of think it's hilarious because like those people merely adopted the darkness. I was born. (laughs) And this, just the the timing of all of it has been so amazing that I'm just sort of in awe at everything. I'm finding myself in the most annoying position, which is the person who's just annoyed by uh, everybody, um, which is obviously just the least likable person in the bunch. But I mean, I do kind of feel like everybody's just just kind of broken their brain. I do kind of take issue a little bit with the idea that the Red Sox are like way pushing expectations. And I mean, we talked about expectations at the beginning of the year, and they're certainly um, winning at a higher rate than either of us predicted before the season. But I think most of the expectations were couched in the fact that if the rotation stays healthy, then they can contend. I mean, I remember saying that a lot myself, and I remember hearing a lot of other people say that. And it seemed impossible that the rotation was going to stay healthy, and with one month left in the season, the rotation has stayed bananas healthy. They haven't had, really, an injury all season. Um, So, I mean, I don't think they've outplayed expectations that much when you consider that. That said, I think the word, or the way... I'll feel about it is just sufficient. Um, just like the most middle of the road kind of season. There was obviously some good. There was a lot of good development. The pitching staying healthy is a very good thing. Chris Sale came back and hasn't broken yet. Presumably that won't happen the rest of the season. All those are good things. But at the same time, the trade deadline in the way that the second half has gone um, takes it down from a really exciting rating to just being okay. If you were going to give it a grade, I would expect the grade at the end of the season to be in the C plus B minus range, which, you know, C's get degrees. I got a degree with C's and D's myself. So I, I I know how that goes, but I I don't think you can go too high or too low basically with the season. At least I'm disappointed, but I would still give it a B at worst. I mean, if they make the playoffs, with yeah, baby, I'm probably being too harsh. Um, you're probably ready to be. Um, maybe I'm they win 93 games. That's a lot. Of, it's a lot of wins. I mean, yeah, I mean, 93 is. Um, I don't know. That's probably pushing it. Fangrass projects 91. If they do what I was talking about earlier, or Fangrass projects 92, I should say. If they do what I was saying earlier, it's 91. Probably not that big of a difference for 93, but a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're probably right. C plus would be too harsh. Probably more somewhere in the B range, but um, which is fine. It... But I think people, I think people will uh, still annoy me on both ends of the high and bloom thing. Just I, I don't really like calling people out on Twitter, and I don't even remember who it was that I saw say this. It was nobody that I followed, but it was put in my timeline. But somebody said that um, high and bloom 
like academic papers would be written about what Heim Bloom has done for the team this year, um, in the way of praise. And I think that was when my brain just totally broke on the entire Heim Bloom discourse. It's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like the Ted Lasso discourse. It's not. Yeah. It's the, the, almost none of it is in good faith. Though I would say this is probably in a little bit better faith than that. Um, it's. People are just people want to make their points, and for the most part, I think it's pretty clear. Like I know I just said that I'd give them a B and I'd be disappointed, but I think that those two things can coexist when the trade yeah the two things can be exists. true at the same time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look what happened to the Yankees after the trade deadline. Now, yes, a lot of that was natural positive regression. Still, still. That's how you draw it up, and they did it. Um, so, uh, I would—I was never disappointed to get a B in college, but if we get a B this year, even with the expectations of a C, uh, maybe C, B minus year, I'd end up being disappointed. But not. Hold on. Caveat is not if they beat the Yankees in the one-game playoff at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, then it's then an A. It's an A plus plus. Doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because the work because you 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 do you kill two birds with one stone. You make the real playoffs and you eliminate the Yankees and that's it. That's this season is the and you made it farther than the Yankees. Therefore, season's a success uh, for you and for the world. So, I mean, the Dodgers are going to win the World Series anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I just did a out of the park sim recently, picking up uh, in live day, and the White Sox won. So the White Sox beat the Brewers in the World Series. So I think that's what's going to happen. I don't, I don't even. Know. I don't even know how to respond to that. Uh, all right. So a few other things I wanted to touch on here. Um, Red Sox are dealing with some pretty substantial COVID issues right now. Um, obviously we've all been living through COVID for a couple of years now or a year and a half. Um, we know that these things change quickly. Um, so who knows if how timely this will be or what the state of the COVID issue will be by the time you're listening to this. But as we are recording here Tuesday afternoon, uh, the Red Sox have, uh, Kike Hernandez and Christian Arroyo have been on the list for COVID list for a few days. Uh, Matt Barnes tested and Martin Perez both tested positive uh, before Monday's game. And they got put on the COVID list. And then Josh Taylor was deemed a close contact and was pulled uh, out of the bullpen uh, the fifth inning of Monday's game. So as we speak here right now, it seems like all those guys are out. Uh, the ones who tested positive, which is everybody but Taylor, um, are going to be out for at least 10 days. Um not great. Kind of seems inevitable. Um, people have talked about this on the old Twitter machine. Uh, Red Sox are one of the few teams that never crossed that 85% vaccination threshold. So it did kind of seem inevitable that this was going to happen, though also it should be pointed out that breakthrough cases are becoming more common. And um, at least according to them, it seems that Kike Hernandez and Matt Barnes both were vaccinated. So it's not as though vaccinations were the only issue here, but it's still not great that they never crossed that threshold. Um, but any, either way, uh, the Red Sox depth is just getting crushed right now. They have Yairo Munoz um, as a starting player right now. Him and Jonathan Arauz are kind of your starting second baseman. Uh, Jaron Duran had gotten demoted. Now he's back and 
playing pretty much every day in center field. And then the bullpen is just destroyed. The bullpen uh, lost, obviously, Barnes, Perez, and um, Taylor, and they just haven't been pitching well in general before that, and they've been having to be used a lot because the starters aren't going deep. It's just not looking good in the bullpen right now. Garrett Whitlock kind of seems like the guy. Um, he seems like that before all the COVID issues, but now with Barnes out, he's especially the guy, I think. But then there's everybody else. Um, the main group right now would be, to me, Garrett Richards, Ryan Brazier, who's not officially active yet, but should be within the next day or two, uh, Hansel Robles, Austin Davis, Adam Onavito. Who are you confident in the most seeing in the late innings, basically, of the non-Whitlock guys um, who are healthy, and who are you not so or least confident in of that group? It's hard to say Brazier, but I think that in a vacuum, I'd say Brazier. Um, I'm, I mean, the argument there is that we've just seen everybody else be bad. We haven't seen him. Well, right. So that <laughs> that's basically the argument for it, where um, even if it is hard to say it, that you would pick him. And I think that he's probably... I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, Brazier is good at times, like legit good. So uh, Brazier was uh, incredible in 2018. He was pretty good last year too. Yeah, I mean, I'd say him, but it's not. <laughs> it's not a fun question to answer. It's not a fun thought experiment. No, I will say Ottavino has been better than I thought the last couple of weeks, but he still hasn't. Even if he hasn't really allowed runs um, in a couple of weeks, but he's still giving up base runners it has not been it has not been comfortable outings for adam Ottavino. um i wanted to say hansel robles for a little bit but now he's just imploded over the last week um austin davis i think has been better than i've given him credit for certainly but i still don't really trust him i think i would have to go Ottavino. um until i see brazier but i think that's reasonable uh but i really just am done with hansel robles and i think garrett richards probably deserves a mention too he has looked legitimately better in a relief role i'm not i don't want to get sucked in because i've seen people get sucked in and get hurt by garrett richards this year but i think he is at least interesting for the time being that's fair i mean yeah he's he hasn't looked like an absolute total disaster so that's good. Yeah, and I mean it's he's he's pitching some high leverage spots. And we so we talked a little bit about this before recording and as we speak uh now it's still not entirely clear uh what is going on in terms of the starting pitcher for Tuesday's game. Um Red Sox Alex Cora said that they were going to go with a bullpen day. There's been some speculation that um Garrett Richards is going to get that start. Uh somebody tweeted at Pete Abraham and said that he was told that Richards was getting that start. And then uh, Pete Abe kind of yelled at him, which was pretty funny. Um, but so I don't know if that's actually happening or not. There's been some speculation that Brad Peacock, who just got signed or just got traded for, um, could make that start. To me, it doesn't really matter. Um, I have an issue with the fact that it's not Chris Sale. Chris Sale is on, would be on normal rest. He's pitched with an extra day rest in every game. You know, I'm sure this is part of the plan, and I guess you don't want to move away from the plan, but at the same time, I mean, this is this is playoff push time. There's a month left of the season. They're playing a really good team. Um, I saw someone say that an added benefit to this is that 
uh, Chris Sale can pitch against the Rays uh, in the next series too because they play the Rays next week as well. He can do that even if he starts today. That they can just give him an extra day's rest for the next series and not let him pitch a bullpen game against Cleveland. Uh, but anyways, it is. I feel like not enough people are giving the Red Sox pushback for not starting Chris Sale here, and I'm not a doctor, so maybe there's actual concern here but to me if there's actual concern with him having to pitch on normal rest instead of an extra day then he shouldn't be pitching at all and if he's able to pitch i feel like this is this is the time where you have to take the training wheels off and turn to your best pitcher um in a big game and not go with a depleted bullpen i mean maybe i would agree with you if their steadfast commitment to all of their processes had not been repeatedly hammered home um, via the trade deadline and the slow bringing along of sales. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I just, they're not going to deviate from their process. I, I guess that's my issue then. I mean, I'm it's sure that, and that's a fair issue. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just beyond getting worked up about it because like, yep, they've shown us who they are and this is who they are. So, I guess I thought, and probably incorrectly for all the reasons you're saying, but I guess I would have thought that the fact that the bullpen has been used so much uh, recently and that they are going through these COVID issues, that would be the thing to maybe push them off uh, push them off this trend. But you're right. I mean, this is how they operate. And like I said, I, I mean, I have no idea what Chris Sale's arm strength actually is, what his possibility of re-injuring or overwork or anything like that i mean i'm not i don't know anything about um the medical field and um the human arm so me i mean i'm sure there's valid reason behind it but it just it seems like this is the time i mean this is the time i think to start pushing garrett whitlock a little bit more um start using him in back-to-back games when he's clearly your best reliever and i think it's the time to push your best starting pitcher when you're facing great competition and you can just like i said you can just do a bullpen game against cleveland if i mean that's fine i don't mind using a bullpen game against cleveland you should be able to win that game anyways but against the rays it's gonna be an extremely difficult time to win this game with the state of their bullpen it just is what a month <laughs> it's almost over it'll, it'll be over by the time people are listening to this at least so you have that to look forward to um, all right, a couple more things I wanted to hit on, uh, starting with uh, Jaron Duran. Like I said, Duran had been demoted, um, and now he's been thrust back into this pretty much everyday role. Uh, it's still not going well. He's still striking out a ton. Um, he's also hitting a bunch of ground balls, um, pretty much a 50% ground ball rate, which is not... Uh, not great considering his swing change was to fix that and to get the balls in the air and play into that power, um, which hasn't really happened in the major league level. Small sample size, 108 plate appearances, but 51 WRC plus. Um, he just clearly has not been uh, getting the job done. My assumption for most of the season was that when we get into 2022, um, assuming there's a season, he was going to be one of the three outfield starters the way he's played this year, is there still a clear role for him, even if it's not a starter, um, somebody who's playing a decent and a platoon or something like that? Or do you think there's a chance that um, they might start him back in the minors um, next year with the way he's playing? Obviously, there's still a month to go, but just where are you thinking right now? I would still guess that he would be part of a platoon. 
to start. But that seems far more likely than not at this point, um, especially, I mean, compared to starting uh, regularly. But again, I mean, we've, we saw this with virtually every hitting prospect um, recently has had major struggles coming up and 108 plate appearances, not that many. The ends of the season with a 50 WRC plus or whatever, maybe that changes. But my suspicion would be that he does bounce back a little bit more in the next month because except for Jared Kalanick, everybody is done. Um, it, yeah, Fra- I think that's probably right. Wander Franco specifically. Yeah, very, it's very, very unreal. Um, and I mean, we're going to talk about Bobby Dalvik in a second, but he's another example. The sample is still pretty small on his surge. Who knows if this is, um, he's actually figured things out or whatever, but he, there's another guy who struggled right away and then he sort of found his footing. So I think that is a good lesson with Duran. That said, I think, I think you're right that he'll probably have a role, but I think maybe the caliber of outfielder they target this offseason, um, to pair up with him, maybe a little bit better than it would have been uh, beforehand. Maybe somebody that they would feel more comfortable with full-time if they have to. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, and then the other the other thing was Dahlbeck, and it was another question kind of looking ahead to next year. But Dahlbeck, um, as we talked about last year, and I mean, it's been the biggest positive story of the Red Sox uh, for the last month. He's just been on a tear. In August, he has a 225 WRC+. Plus. Um, he's brought his strikeout rate way down to 23%, uh, walk rate way up to about 12%. Um, our own Mike Walsh wrote about this earlier in the week on Monday, um, talking about how he's making much better contact, or making contact at a higher rate, and really laying off bad pitches um, much more often right now. Um, and he is obviously thriving. So I would have thought, um, similarly to what I'm thinking with Duran now, that they would have at least brought a fallback plan in um, next year for Dahlbeck. Do you think that you can be confident now uh, without that fallback plan? I mean, Tristan Costas, I guess, is sort of a built-in fallback plan, but a veteran one with the way he's sitting now? I'll just say this. If they're always looking long-term, they might not be confident, but... I have needled Bobby's production and I am not going to do that anymore because he has been the only thing worth watching recently outside of Chris Sale. Please. Sorry, Brian. Um, But um, apologizing to myself. Uh, (laughs) I was like, who is Brian? Yeah. I don't think... This will change their plan, but I think that their inaction at the deadline was a window into their plan to feature Dahlbeck anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's I think that's pretty much right. And I I gotta say, I never would have expected this from Dahlbeck. And as much as it has been sort of just one hot month, um, he's also got a league average line for the entire he's got a 101 wrc plus for the entire season which seems impossible to me i don't quite understand how he's how that is the case uh but it is i mean he's gotten his line all the way up to average and for his career now which obviously just includes that one extra month from last season it's been just about a full season he's got 456 
career plate appearances, and he's got a 112 WRC+. plus. Now, I think he does need to start walking more the way he has this month. Um, the power's gotten a lot of the attention, but to me it is that plate discipline and the fact that he's drawing walks. Um, the way he strikes out, he's going to need to draw walks. I don't think that the way he's approached most of his career is going to really sustain itself moving forward, but I think the way he's hitting right now, minus the power, is going to come down some. But I think... More than I have been, basically since he's been drafted, I am confident that Dahlbeck can be a solid major league option. I still think that Tristan Casas is the future at the position, and Dahlbeck is either going to be in another organization or um, more of a situational piece. But I definitely feel better about Dahlbeck, even if it's just been one hot month. All right, uh, a couple of listener questions here before we finish out uh we start off with our sister site uh fish stripes who cover the marlins at uh sb nation um they are proposing an off-season trade uh they want hunter renfro going to miami um and elisa hernandez coming to boston uh he's a starting pitcher um I'm not an Elisa Hernandez. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, so apologies if I am mispronouncing that. But I, I'm not an expert on him. But do you think the idea of trading Hunter Renfro and selling potentially selling high on him is a something they should consider, or b something they will consider? It does seem like something Hyam Bloom would do. That's the that's my take on it. And this, I didn't know. I, I think it's Eliezer, but I don't know. Uh, However you pronounce his name, I didn't know much about him. I looked him up. Just his profile in a trade for someone of Renfro's profile does seem like a very bloom move. So Fish Stripes, whether or not this comes to pass, I like the thought exercise. Um, I, I think the pieces do, in theory, make sense. But to the same end, like 100 different deals could be similar to that. The bigger question is, do you think if Renfro if they would choose to uh, liquidate some of Renfro's value for potential young talent, uh, I could see it. Yes, because then they just go sign another Renfro. Yeah, I mean, I think this hasn't been something that I've really thought about until I saw this, and I could change my mind when I think about it more. When the offseason comes around, I haven't really, I'm obviously not really thinking about next season's roster all that much, but... I think this does make a lot of sense. The idea of flipping Renfro for a pitcher, at least, uh, makes a lot of sense in a vacuum. Hernandez, I don't know. I would have to look more into whether or not he's a viable option or if they would need to... Either side would need to throw in more. But I think Duran plays a big role in it. But if you are confident in Duran being able to handle a decent-sized role... Then you can have an outfield most days of Duran, Kike Hernandez, and Alex Verdugo. And, I mean, Renfro's had a great year. I could see him repeating it, but I don't know that I would necessarily bet on it. He's just such a streaky hitter, and the Red Sox have been fortunate to see a couple of big hot streaks, and his defense is obviously phenomenal. I don't think that they, like I said, I don't think they have to, I don't think they have to go into the offseason saying we need to trade hunter renfro but i would certainly be listening to offers and i would be comfortable with a verdugo hernandez duran outfield i would want some supplement but i think if you can get a good young starting pitcher i mean this is something that this team obviously needs if you can get that for hunter renfro i think that's it's worth at least exploring 
Uh, speaking of young starting pitchers, Brandon Stewart wants to know uh, if an opener for Houck starts could be a game changer. Well, then it wouldn't be a Houck start now, would it? <laughs> you got that right. I, mean, um, I, I, I don't see it happening because I think that if they were going to use that sort of strategy, they would have done it by now in another context. I don't know what context, but yeah, I, I mean, the, I could. The only way I could see it is if you're facing a team that is stacking lefties at the top of their lineup. Um, if you want to bring in Josh Taylor, or whoever Austin Davis, um, for the first inning to kind of get through the first time through the group of lefties, that's fine. Um, but I don't think that. I don't think that it really solves that many issues. I mean, the issue is just that Hulk can't really pitch that deep into games right now. That's something that he's going to need to fix over the offseason, or they're going to have to look at converting him into a reliever and maybe him opening for some players, which I don't think is the worst idea in the world. But um, barring just like a clear matchup advantage where you're facing a lineup with a lot of lefties, I think it's just kind of pushing the issue um, off a little bit, but I don't think it really solves anything. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, Pat wants to know if the Red Sox should sign Cam. Okay, that is a question for Jake Devereaux. Please write that one to Jake for the for his podcast because Jake hates Cam so much. I would just please just ask him. Um, I know it's a silly question, not to admit to be taken seriously, <laughs> but Jake will take it seriously. Speaking I would just say the Red Sox don't need another. Not to be taken seriously. Why don't you ask the last one? Oh, the last one uh, is a question that's been on all of our minds uh, from friend of the show, John Leary. Uh, what is Brian Joyner's deal? The deal is in quotes there. Um, fuck you, John. All right, that's it. <laughs> Poor John. I don't share the sentiment, John. Uh, all right. That He's a is, Sixers uh, fan. How dare yeah, you? Yeah, that that is that is deeply upsetting to me. I it's not that. even that he's a Sixers fan, but it's no, he it's not like, he's a Sixers. He's fan. a Celt. No, he's a Celtics troll, like actively well, a Celtics synonymous troll. Which, with, which, well, synonymous with Sixers fan. Which I respect on some level because let's let's mix it up. What's my deal? What's <laughs> your deal, John Leary? <laughs> Not even the best Leary brother on Twitter. Get out of here. (laughs) And that's where we're going to end things. Uh, Thank you for listening to today's show. Um, If you enjoyed today's show um, and want to know more about Brian Steele, uh, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Leave us a rating and a review. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. And Brian is at Brian Joyner. Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. And you can find all of our writing at overthemonster.com. And uh, we'll probably be off next week, but uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks for the last uh, stretch of the season.